From the American Association of Nurse Practitioners, AANP, I'm your host, Dr. Sophia Thomas, and this is NP Pulse, the voice of the nurse practitioner. Welcome to NP Pulse, AANP's official podcast, bringing you unique nurse practitioner voices and expertise on issues that matter to NPs and to our patients. Happy NP Week! As a reminder, all week long, we are releasing many episodes of this podcast featuring NPs describing their NP roles, explaining opportunities and challenges they faced, and sharing what keeps them excited and motivated to care for patients all year long. Yesterday, we asked NPs what inspired them to pursue the NP role. And today we're gonna hear from Dr. Elena Pendergrass, a palliative care NP and mother who entered the nursing profession later in life and shares with us why it's never too late to follow your dream. Um, My name is Elena Prendergast. I actually followed a non-traditional journey to be an NP. I had done a lot of things before I even actually went into nursing. Um, I, so I'm one of those people that's the adult learner. I didn't come into nursing until I was 40 years old. I'd done real estate, security, administrative assistant, military, um, military spouse. So a lot of things before I came into nursing. Um, and then I had been in nursing probably about four or five years when I discovered the specialty of palliative care and decided that that was what I felt I was called to do. So went off, got my master's, then went ahead and got my doctorate and then dual certified as a family nurse practitioner and then a palliative care nurse practitioner. What made me so passionate about palliative care is both professionally and personally, um, I had experienced a lot of losses What I saw was that nursing had the potential to be that compassionate person that lend that care. And when you think about palliative care, most people think about end of life hospice. Um, That's not what palliative care is. If you think about palliative, the word palliate, it means to support. So I think of it more as supportive care. Um, I call myself a quality of life navigator when I'm talking to patients and families and even in the community. Part of that is quality of life is what drives what most of us want. It's why we wear the shoes we wear, the house we live in, the jobs that we have. My passion is about making sure that we define and then help our families and our patients achieve quality of life. So. That's my driving force is because regardless of whatever diagnosis they have, they want quality of life and they deserve quality of life. I hope to be the person that someone feels can sit right next to them and have coffee and talk to them about what's going on in their lives, whether it's their health problems, whether it's their family problems, whether it's their community problems, and they feel that I truly am vested in them. Um, But I also, am able to then cross the divide and speak to my colleagues. What I tell people is, I'm the person who comes into the room, I ask you who you are and what's important to you. And I take the time to listen, but then I also put on that white coat and I walk into another room and I talk to everybody else that has white coats so that 
I can ensure that they listen to you. Now as an educator, I realized the power of someone's words. In seventh grade, I was told, don't go into science because you'll probably starve. Um, I've told that story to different people and they all sit there shocked. And I let that become part of my story and stayed away from science, anything to do with science. Over the years, um, my husband and I were a military couple. We traveled around to different areas. Unfortunately, I had had multiple miscarriages. I had never experienced no loss. I didn't know what to do with that. And so when you combine a military life, multiple losses, and really not understanding like, what was I supposed to do? Because I couldn't go into science. I couldn't do anything that I thought I could do. It finally came a point in my life where I was confronted with the question of who are you? And I couldn't answer that question because I didn't know who I was outside of being someone's spouse, someone's mother, someone in the community. And unfortunately, I had several more losses, including my own mother and my mother-in-law, which put me in this crisis of what, what meaning is there to life? And after challenging myself of who was I, my mother, ironically, Thank goodness for mothers, right? Because sometimes they see things in us that we've never seen in ourselves. She had said to me, I think you'd make a great nurse. And so really as a promise, that was kind of the first impetus to saying, okay, I'll try it, but I don't think I'm going to get in. And uh, I applied, you know, back to school and started taking my prerequisites. Was I scared? Absolutely. Did I think I wasn't going to make it? Absolutely. Until I walked in and then I saw all these people my age and older, they were making those same decisions. It was not easy because I had three children. My husband had recently retired from the military and there was so much adjustment in our life. But little by little, you know, we kept doing it. Now, the great thing about it was I had experience. Some of my classmates were 20 21, 22 years old, they'd never had children. They'd never gone through some of the challenges in life that I'd gone through. And so there was meaning in all of the experiences that had gone through because they helped me, you know, academically understand some of the things that I was studying. The first thing we have to realize is it's not a matter of age. When you look at the new person that comes in at 22 years old into nursing, they have the young age and the education, but they lack the life experience. When you think about someone that comes in later in life, such as myself, I came in, what they needed to provide me with was the education. I came in with the experience. So if, it's just flipping the, the paradigm, if you, if you would think. So if that's the barrier, if you're thinking that's what's keeping you from going ahead and pursuing something that may have been a dream for 20 years, as in my case, then don't let that hinder you. There are scholarships that are out there. Um, there's just, you know, work is now paying for people to go back to school. I think COVID showed us the potential 
that we all have, regardless of where we are in our lives. I hope to serve as an example to those people that came in later in life. Don't let that limit you. I did that for so long. And now here I am, it's goodness, 15, 16 years later, I have a doctorate in nursing. I have a platform I never thought that I would have. And I really hope that people do not let their age be a barrier. The other thing is I had two daughters. I wanted them to realize that regardless of whatever choices you made in life, it's never too late to be what you could have been. And somehow my mother believed that I could have been and tried to impart that to me. So I wanted to set an example to them and to the future generation that age does not define us. It's our passion, our hope for the future that defines us. And so that got me on the path to say, keep going until you are that example that you would like or wanted someone else to be for you. You know, I've gotten the degrees. I've gotten all of these things. I think the greatest thing for me was my um, daughter was, she had just graduated college. She was going for her first teaching job. And so of course they asked the things, you know, what do you want to do in five years and all of these things? And they asked her a question, who inspires you? And she told me her answer and I just cried. She said, my mother. Um, she said, my mother supported my father through a military career and raised all of us. She gave up everything to make sure that we had a good life. But then she went back and she didn't let herself be stopped by her age and our finances, but she set an example to us, you know, and to me, that was the greatest. I mean, I've had awards, I've had degrees, I've, you know, but that was the greatest gift for my daughter to look at me as someone that inspired her. You know, I'm the oldest of three girls and my father came from Puerto Rico um, to this country. And one of the things he, he used to say to us, you have two strikes. My dad, huge baseball fan. He said, you have two strikes. One, you're a woman. Two, you're Puerto Rican. And he said, it's up to you. When you come up to the plate, you got to decide, are you going to strike out or are you going to knock it out of the park? And that's the one thing I always tried to remember. So as a first generation, you know, a college graduate, I have probably achieved well over what he wanted. And what I hope to do is serve as a role model for others that are underrepresented, um, especially in our fields, and say, don't let those barriers get in your way. But decide what it is that your goals are, and then you set the role. I heard a quote today, it's not where you sit at the table, it's actually what you do when you sit at the table. And so I think that's the important thing, that it's not just that we get to the table, that we do something when we get to that table. Thank you so much for speaking with us today, Elena. Your story is inspiring, and I know our listeners are now inspired as well. Tomorrow, we return with another NP Week mini-episode of NP Pulse, where we'll be joined by sisters Vilma and Ilana Farkas. While they began on different professional paths, 
The Farkas sisters eventually both made their nursing profession and then became NPs. I hope you turn in tomorrow to hear their inspiring story. Also, early tomorrow morning, please tune in to Good Morning America and the Today Show to see NPs live and in person celebrating NP Week. Learn more about the NP role and the NP Week celebration at anporg forward slash NP Week. Happy NP Week.